Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens and you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? On the podcast today from Melbourne, Australia, our co-artistic directors, Woody Miller, and myself in Cairo, Egypt. This podcast contains explicit language. Hello, dear listener. It's just me today. It's just Adam. Uh, Booty had a family emergency that unfortunately has taken us away from, taken him away from us, and um, we had to move on. We had to, had to, to, to march on anyway because we have a lovely guest with us today anyway. Um, and uh, we, we didn't want you to miss the opportunity of hearing from the playwright in our next uh, play for the Audio New Play Festival series. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about, instead of, instead of just jumping straight into the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about my, my feeling and my experience upon reading this play. We sent out the, the call for plays, uh, this was in... Uh, God, this was early in January or February of this year. Um, and we knew that the, the prompt, 50 years from now, could be interpreted many, many ways. Um, we were th- you know, thinking maybe this might be a little sci-fi, and you've heard that in a couple of the pieces, obviously, uh, with Beautiful. Uh, we knew it could be uh, environmental. Uh, you've heard this with um, uh, Whale Song. We also know that it could possibly be a little dystopian, uh, where... Uh, you've heard this with uh, success in uh, contemporary corporate praxis, uh, but we didn't know exactly what else it could also be. Um, and as is always the case with the work that I am interested in, we were hoping that it was going to have heart, and we were hoping that it was going to do something different with the form as well. And so when we received the piece that we're going to talk about today by James, um, I immediately was, I was, uh, I was immediately kind of, Yes, absolutely. If nothing else, this one. This is the one that I want the festival to be about. Um, because it kind of hit all the points for me. It hit all my heartstrings moments um, and did the thing that we always try to do with the Theater of Others, which is acknowledge the audience. And I was very, very happy about that. So um, I want to introduce James. James, James Reiser, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for writing Sugar Bag. Thank you for... Um, being a, a fan of us, uh, and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction, honestly. And thank you for creating such an awesome platform for, I don't know, this is my first um, full play that I've written. So, and if it wasn't for you guys, like kind of, if it wasn't for Buddy reaching out to me saying, do you have a play? Yeah. Then I, I wouldn't have written it. So thank you. So, okay. So you, you have not written something before. Uh, and I know, you know, Booty's pressure can be, you know, uh, <laughs> can be can be lovely, but also like, oh God, I've got to do something. But what was it like to get for that, you know, that that initial prompt to the idea? What, what was that? What was that transition? What was that moment like? And I mean, where did that idea come from? Uh, well, it was actually I'd written the last almost paragraph already. Um, mm. based on this experience that I had in a, in a workshop. Um, mm. Just this kind of idea of seeing someone for the first time, even though in a different light, even though you've like known them for like, in my case, it was 10 years. Um, mm. and, and then I immediately, when I thought of 50 years from now, I thought of bees. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then... That and then like the the little paragraph at the end was about honey, and it all just kind of worked. And I was like, I mean, all right. So when Putty messaged me saying, "Do you ever play?" I was just like, you know what? I actually think I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was like, uh, yeah, let's go. Might as well. Um, Might, as well. So, Might as well. Yeah, because I guess yeah, I've always kind of been like because I've written short form kind of spoken word and um things like that for uh like poetry slams and things um mm -hmm. uh just like that but it hasn't i haven't i've never actually gone into i guess anything as substantial as this um before and it was very it was intimidating but mm. i thought i might as well take a bite out of it yeah so you so you've already alluded to and i, I don't want to leave the the kind of the the spoiler, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, obviously, but um, you you said bees and you said honey. Can you talk a little bit about the title and how the title um, developed from what from what you submitted to us to what it is today? Can you talk about that process, that that moment? Yeah, well, I guess um, the uh, for me, honey is just this. It it just triggers a lot of kind of visceral sensations in just its purity and like the way that it is being kind of broken down from nectar and it's this golden rich syrup. Um, and for me, it, it, it gives me this warm kind of feeling in my chest. Um, and I wanted to, I guess, Honey just felt a bit broad as a word mm -hmm. and I wanted it to be closer to, um, I guess, the Australian landscape and that's where sugar bag comes in and sugar bag is the, it's kind of pigeon language from um, the early settlers communicating with the First Nations people um, and kind of words that they developed and sugar bag was the word for honey produced by native Australian bees. Um, and these bees are like incredible. They're these tiny black 
stingless bees. They almost look like flies. Um, but they produce this honey that's this deep, rich colour, almost like molasses, but like a tiny bit lighter than molasses. Um, and even their comb, the, the comb that they create is, is incredible. It's this, like, almost like this flower that spirals up and they're all kind of buzzing around and they're stingless as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess they... I just, I just felt, I guess, um, pride. I don't know. Just, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, not pride, I guess, but, um, just kind of like, ah, this is really cool. Like we have these really unique, like fauna, um, that produces like this incredible complex, um, honey that I really didn't know much about until I started doing research. Um, yeah, so that, I guess that's, that's where sugar bag came from. That's fast. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know this about the, the bees in Australia, but now that I think about it, it's like, yeah, of course. I mean, evolution over millions of years, if you don't have a, a natural predator or, or, the, or you're not going to be, you know, they're competing in a, a lot of land for something. Yeah. Why develop a defense mechanism? Why develop something like that? But that's fascinating. Yeah. So true. And I mean, you know, we, we do. We think we think of we think of honey or we think of products as being, you know, like well, a banana is a banana is a banana. But of course, there are varieties of this. But like to have something so uniquely tied to that land, yeah, that's a beautiful concept. And I guess also a testament to really um, the the knowledge and respect that the First Nations people had um, that that they didn't kind of take advantage of the fact mm. that because they knew like they they know where to find it um mm-hmm. in like hollow trees and um and wherever but it's um but like you know for over 60,000 years um it hasn't been they haven't um like i guess unbalanced that kind of ecosystem mm-hmm. and so uh, um we when you present us this with this uh this idea um and you talk about the land and and subject matter of this thing uh we immediately kind of we don't put up a red flag but we just kind of say maybe possibly you might need to do something um and as as booty would say you as a white boy um what did we what did we ask you to 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 go and uh, do before uh to, to as you develop this piece <laughs> Um, well, honestly, just kind of read, um, and like, uh, there's this incredible book called, um, the, uh, biggest estate on earth or the greatest estate on earth. Um, and it's all about kind of the, uh, the way that the first nations people kind of, um, tended to the, to the land as if, um, to this country as if it was like they were farming, like um, an estate. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because literally as uh, a lot of kind of depictions of the land through paintings and accounts um, were, it was like this uh, estate um, that had been like, they did like vast stretches of grassland and neat rows of trees. Um, and that, that had, that had been kind of manipulated by the people um, living there through burning and um, and controlled burning um, and 
things like that. And but the settlers just thought that was, you know, it was mm-hmm. just how it was naturally. Um, mm-hmm. And you see comparisons between then and now through paintings and photos now. Um, and since those practices have just kind of been disregarded um, by the change of kind of control, uh, it's just like a lot more dense and wild yeah. now versus back then. Um, and it's insane the the control and I guess the knowledge that they had of the land to be able mm. to create like wild like uh, hunting traps out of trees and um, and I guess the way they they controlled um, clearings and they could uh, create yeah these hunting traps where they would um, <laughs> I guess lure uh, their their hunt out um and create these kind of like herding mechanisms through the trees and everything it was um it's really interesting to read about and this Mm. whole this whole book is just this argument that's being kind of created to just this essay of just evidence after evidence after evidence to say that that we that it was in a better state um right uh before before uh, i guess the the settlers came and colonized it um and it's literally just evidence after evidence (laughs) it's like the most comprehensive essay um and that's what it is it's this whole book is an essay um yeah and just like like case study after case study um Mm. and that just kind of really opened my mind to like the complexity of the um of just like the control that um, First Nations people had over the land. And I guess the connection mm. that they had because of their knowledge and yeah. the respect that they had for it, um, which is also kind of um, where I got a deeper sense of um, respect um, that kind of, that, that went into this um, play, just this kind of, um, I guess respect for the land and and our connection to it as um, as just inhabitants. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess like it's a and yeah and the way that I guess our own peace of mind is connected to the land and that kind of um, peace we can find in inside ourselves. Um, when you know my. I was thinking about this, that my, my family, <clears throat> we, we, we have no connection to the land anymore. Like there is, mm. I grew up in uh, suburbs, moved to a city. My parents lived, uh, grew up in suburbs uh, and a city. Uh, their parents would have grown up on a farm and moved to the suburbs. And I'm some, so I'm like, I'm two generations removed from an almost agrarian lifestyle. And, I'm, and I was thinking, like, as, as we get further and further away, we, we are getting further and further away from the land. Do you have, I mean, are you tied? Do you have family? Like, what is your, what is your story? I mean, this is not, this is not just something like, oh, honey, interesting. Like, where, where you know, where did, I mean, you, you have, there seems to be a, a real interest in the land and a passion for that. Where does that come from? Um, so yeah, my parents both grew up on 
in um, on properties in the country, um, and they have a love for it. Um, mm. That is, but it's very much rooted in this kind of um, this very white Anglo-Saxon um, farmer, yeah, I guess pedagogy, um, and it's and it's a very specific kind of way of living. Um, all based around kind of hard work, working outside and, and a certain, and that's kind of also it's, um, that way of farming as well is, is kind of, you very much bend the land to your will, um, like tordening, you poison trees to clear land and, um, and what I just kind of realized was just this, um, it was always just kind of like a struggle um, mm. because farmers are kind of synonymous, um, especially in Australia, with kind of uh, struggle and uh, against the odds, I guess, and like constant drought and, um, and like difficult conditions, just like making life hard. Mm. Um, and I do have a soft spot for that kind of, um, that I guess hard work and, um, the respect for the kind of, um, the real sense of duty that they have. Um, but at the same time I was, I looked at, um, my, my parents kind of attitude and, um, I thought, oh, like what would it take to kind of unravel that? And that's also kind of work that worked its way into the play as well. Um, mm. Just this, because there's a very, especially with uh, men in particular, country men, mm. mm-hmm. um, the it's a very tense kind of way of living. Um, yeah. You know, all tight-lipped and fiery brow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I uh, I. I was shooting um, photos for a wedding the other day and it was a country wedding and country and a bunch of rugby players as well. Um, and <laughs> just looking at around. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, looking around and like at, at some of the older men, um, just, uh, um, just the, it's, it's all kind of the same, the way they're like standing around holding their beers and just kind of saying very little, keeping their mouths very closed. Like, mm. um, and also being very uncomfortable with taking photos. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Making my job so much fun. Um, now relax. Come on. Let yourself yeah, be happy. Exactly. And Let yourself like, go. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I guess because of that, it's so dense, this kind of, um, I guess. And it's that I see this in my father and um, my uncles and, um, and also my mother and um, her brothers. Um, because well, she was the only um, she was the only daughter, so she kind of had to be, um, right. and I uh, yeah, and I always think like because I always look at my uh, especially my dad, I'm like, what would it take you? What would it take to just like get in there, like niggle? Because he's he's just so bound, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and then that worked its way into the play, and then I like like I created this character. Um, James um, and just kind of like 
the inside and the outside, I guess. Like what's in, mm-hmm. what's going on inside that, um, and and yeah, like how does it get expressed or not expressed, mm. um, and yeah, that's what I really wanted to kind of explore as well, um, and like what it did would, you? Um, oh, yeah, I was just saying like what having a very strong kind of um feminine energy in his life as well like what that Mm. would do um mm. and did you um did you work with steven how was how was that like oh yeah working with steven well because (laughs) thank god i had steven honestly because um (laughs) i was going in blind (laughs) wow wow Um, wow in terms of structure Mm -hmm. and um like one in terms of structure um i had no idea what i was doing so he was very helpful with just kind of being like this is her like this is how the narrative goes and like piece by piece make it kind of all work together um because it was very jumpy back and forth um but also as a dramaturg he was um Mm -hmm. incredibly helpful because i was just kind of dumping what was in my head out on the page and he was just like oh um (laughs) this is how this is kind of coming across well this is how this is coming across and i'm just like yeah no i totally see that i'm just gonna (laughs) take that back play around with it a little bit (laughs) and see how this looks and then um yeah i mean it's always good to have another eye because when you're constantly when you're staring at a page um because I was listening to Fraser's episode and him like busting out a script in a couple of days. I right. cannot <laughs> <the> relate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm staring at this page for um, for hours um, sometimes. Um, it's not bad. I'm at a cafe. So I usually write at a cafe. So that's lovely. Um, but yeah, just kind of mulling over these things. And it all just kind of... I lose perspective, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're just kind of in in the world um for as long as that you just kind of get bleary-eyed and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like where am i but uh yeah no definitely to have steven um and to have like one to have a drama take but also to have just like an incredibly comprehensive and um um dramaturg was a privilege um so thank you steven That's been it's been it's been lovely to hear that. I mean, of course, Booty and I know Stephen and and what he can do and what he can open up. But it's been lovely to hear all the playwrights actually say like that. A similar thing to what you're saying there is like the writing process is a very lonely process. You can just it can it can just be you and you alone forever, and then you hand over that script to somebody, and then and then it's done. But to have that outside eye, that perspective, to have somebody who can go who can look at it from another angle and go, okay. Are you are you realizing that this is actually how it's coming across? Are you, have you thought about this? You're in you know you're in the thick of the jungle. So to have somebody who's on the other side with a with a machete sometimes, but also just a, a, a flashlight, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a possible way through here if you want to take it. But there's also other ways for you to 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 think about this. So that's mm. that's really lovely to hear. That's really lovely to hear. Um, so you've written it. You've you've sent us something. It has changed. It has it has morphed and melded, and you've massaged it. And you have your you have you have your piece. And the next step of the process is what for you? 
well, I guess the next step of the process is just to, I guess, keep writing. Um, uh, I, sorry, is this in terms of uh, sugar bag or in terms of just in general? Well, both. I mean, you, you have you have this piece. You have, you know, mm. Booty, Booty always asks, you know, if you had more time, what would it become? Are you are you happy with this? Is this was the idea that this this product was going to be, you know, a one act, uh, thirty minutes roughly, or is there a longer piece from this? Do you think? If you had more time, what would you do? If anything, I would possibly put it on stage, um, and that would be- make it turn it into something completely different, right? Um, because obviously we're taking advantage of the audio medium, so right. um, there's certain things we can do on here um, and not on stage. But I think, I mean, I just like to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I always want to get something up and get it in um, in my body. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, whether it's like a fringe festival or if it's um, something like that, I'd love to... Um, who knows, like, have a jar of honey on stage. <laughs> just, um, but no, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I would always love to put something on stage um, yeah. because there's really nothing like that. But um, how, does it, how, how does it change in terms of, I mean, obviously, uh, because we, we are thinking about the audio medium, we are thinking about sound design and Jack's phenomenal sound design for everything and, him opening things up in a different way. So there's another collaborator there, like Steven. What is different in your now imagined stage version in the head from this version that we have, that, it's, that the listener's going to hear on Thursday, to this stage version? What does that look like? What, is, what are the changes there? Oh, I mean... Um, I guess the the intimacy um because there's a there's a definite intimacy in this audio Mm -hmm. medium um Mm -hmm. because you're in someone's ear obviously Mm -hmm. um but it's a different type when it's in a room with someone Mm -hmm. um and just to um be in the room with someone in i guess in a small it'd be a very small kind of space um and just creating this atmosphere with someone actually well nah i'd probably put it outside to be honest um okay if i had if i had all the means in the world i'd take it into the bush um uh in i guess a safe way um but yeah no because it's like Uh, by the way, if, if anyone wants to listen to this play, I would highly recommend going outside and listening to it. Um, for sure, for sure. Because, yeah, because when you can kind of just stop and listen to the wind kind of blowing through the trees and then, I guess, the the, the bees or the, uh, the insects buzzing around and the birds kind of doing their thing, like... Those those moments are uh, uh, are just the best. They're they're, they're mm. kind of what life is when you just can kind of like get out of your head for uh, however long <laughs> your uh, attention span allows you. Um, but yeah, just 
just to kind of realize and just take stock for a for a second and i i feel like taking taking this out into the bush um would just be incredible because you can literally reference the world around you mm. as you're performing um and i guess bring the audience into the this feeling you have or i guess the feeling that i have um for the country and for the land and for the mm -hmm. dirt and for the twigs and the leaves and the the lizards and everything like that um mm. yeah yeah i mean no, um, no offense no offense to no offense to jack's sound design <laughs> um but I mean, uh, the best the best sound design is actually no sound design when you have the nature around you to, to do it for you because exactly you yeah you know, there's there's no recreating there's no recreating real wind there's no recreating that that the buzzing tickle sound. on the back of your neck the, yeah 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 exactly yeah. <laughs> that ant biting you on your ankle <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly. How was how was the recording process? What was what was that all like? I mean, the nerve wracking. I mean, obviously, as an actor, uh, you've 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 uh, you've been on set, you've you've been in rehearsals, you've you've done this, you've been on you know different sides of the medium. But now to have this kind of baby that you're that you're ushering across, what is it like to be in that recording process where you've made a decision as a playwright? Now as a, now in another way, you're making decisions in another way. Like, how is it to shepherd that across? That was really quite interesting um, because I kind of thought I had made all the decisions um, right. when writing them. <laughs> yeah. um, and because there are, there are several segments of spoken word in this play and the rhythm of that, uh, the way I write it is that I'm constantly saying it in my head um, or out loud because I, when I hear it, that's how I can kind of get onto the next rhyme or rhythm. Um, is when I kind of do it real time, speaking it out loud. I can't write it or can't kind of hear it in my head. Um, and so I thought I had had these rhythms all down, but in the recording process, you kind of just find yourself, I don't know, getting cheeky and getting fun um, mm -hmm. and playing around with it uh, and just really sinking into the moments um, that... I wrote and I, I was like, yeah, no, this is, this is, this is great. Um, but then, yeah, the flip from writing to actually performing in it, um, in my, in my cupboard, <laughs> it <laughs> right. was like tight little tiny cupboard. Um, I was just kind of in my own little cocoon, I guess. Um, really kind of sitting with the words that I'd written, but they weren't, I guess it was, it was a very, big a very um noticeable difference between the words that i've written and the words that i were perform that i was performing mm -hmm. um because it was like it was different it was these um these new words because i guess when you're recording and when you're actually performing you've got to be with the words in yeah. that moment in that time and so they don't take the meaning of what you thought you were writing when you wrote them, they take the meaning of what you're experiencing in that yeah. time of performing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's the same, sometimes it's different. Um, and there were definitely were um, several moments of difference when I was performing them. 
Um, so that I, was really I've, fun. I've, I've written some things, and I, and I, I understand the process. I mean, having worked with Steven for so long, I like, I, I, can, I, I would never say that I'm a playwright, but I'm like, I understand good dramaturgy, and I know when something is written well and where the, something mm. is pear shaped and things like that. <clears throat> I don't like writing for myself. Like even when I'm like when I'm devising work, I'm in the, I'm I'm starting a process right now where I'm devising a play. I don't like writing because I know that I can direct myself out of my own writing. Oh, and no. so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a real interesting conundrum to go, right, but if I write this, can somebody else also do this well? Or am I writing because I know what I'm capable of as a director or an actor or things like that? that so that's a real interesting conundrum to be like, there's, there's what you wrote in the room, and then there's what you're, you're confronted with right now. Mm. And where that negotiation and that wiggling happens. The, you know, is, do you stay, is there fidelity to the script as written? Or is there the kind of, this, you know, when you're recording, when you're in there, when, when, you know, when everything is happening, does the playwright say, no, 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 I actually wrote it this way. Don't, that's the, the word, I, I, I struggled over this word. Don't go changing something. So that's, a, that's an interesting conversation to have when you're both, when you're, ha when you're having the playwright, the director, and the actor, you know? Yeah, and I guess on that, I, I really just found that once I'd written it, that was playwright me done. Mm. And then you now, and then I just... So you I handed it over to handed the next it over, And I flipped to performer me. Um, That's good. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, and it was, and it was a different, I guess, little mindset. A different. There was a shift in mm. like, there's playwright me, but then there's performer me, and I guess performer me is just a bit more, like, playful, um, mm -hmm. and a bit cheeky. <laughs> F that guy. Like, F that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah, I guess it's like you don't really, when you're when I, when I'm in the space and when I'm performing, it's a it's a different energy because it's because you gotta you gotta warm up and you've got to be and you've got to be in a to at a point where you can perform mm -hmm. and i guess at that because you you don't warm up to like I, I didn't warm up to write um right. so i'm not in that space right. um and i'm not at that energy um and so definitely yeah when i when i'm performing i'm on a certain plane or uh, plane, whatever, um, <laughs> a certain energy or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, I just forget about playwright me. I'm just, um, yeah. Like what, what am I feeling at the time? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to think about the, the playwright warm up. I mean, yeah. What is, what would that, what, what would, what would warming up to that even be? Like, what is that mental state that you need to put yourself into? Oh, whatever it is, I was always too lazy to do it. Because <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> oh, if I could figure out a playwright warm up, then and I could actually get myself to do it, then I would have not wasted countless hours sitting down and having going through <laughs> like four or five cups of coffee, and then just having not written a line. <laughs> the playwright's warm up is four cups of coffee, seventeen paces of the room. Doing the chore, doing the chores that you have put off all day long, doing, and then sitting. Yes, exactly. Stephen, here we go. We have a we have a concept for you, Stephen. Come up with playwrights warm ups. Playwrights warm up. This is this is the this is the new theater brothers uh, workshop. We're gonna we're gonna pitch this. This is what it's gonna be. 
Um, I think it's time. I think it's time to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I think in this break, Jack, can you can you find us a really juicy, sweet, succulent, deep molassesy uh, moment from Sugarbag? Can we can we listen to a moment of Sugarbag, Jack? Can you? Uh, we get a little teaser, a little taste on the tongue. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the sound design of JDB. I'd wake up stifling. Bill would still be asleep across the room, lost in his own no doubt colourfully conjured world. If the moon was bright, I could see the sweat beading on his brow channeling down onto his eyelid via a smooth pink pathway of tissue. Scars are a bit funny like that, you know? You just kind of want to touch them. A tactile transcript detailing the body's response to trauma. If the scar is ragged and lumpy, the healing process was interrupted by infection or leftover debris, impeding closure, preventing the body from moving on. Bill's scar, however, ran clean. I am so happy to, that, this, that this piece is coming out on Thursday. I cannot wait to hear the rest of it. Just this little teaser, that's all you get. You only get this little bitty, this little taste on the tongue. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that uh, that you submitted this piece, uh, James, and and uh, we've we were a part of this process with you, um, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that the, the listeners are going to be able to kind of experience this. Um, I think we're in questions and provocations now. So, uh, what we do, what we do. Uh, Every single time we, we have the, the, the luxury, the, the real privilege of having somebody take time out of their day and listen to us is we want to give something back to them. So sometimes this is a question that we want to leave our audience members with, whether about the work itself or you know life and art in general, or it's a provocation. We want them to do something. So um, I'm going to let you think about a question provocation you want to leave with the audience. Um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave them with a provocation, which you've already kind of alluded to, and what you also um, uh, alluded to in your in your submission to us, um, which is, if you can, and really do try, don't just you know, it's really do really make an effort on this one. Um, please go and put yourself in nature when listening to this piece, and. We are all going to have varying degrees of what nature means. I live in Cairo. Nature is very hard to find sometimes. But, but being in the vastness of space, being in the vastness of Earth, being in a place where you can feel the wind on your, on your skin or you can hear it, um, where, there, where there are possibilities of insects landing on you, um, if you can put yourself in a place where that is possible to listen to this, my provocation to you, dear listener, is to do that because I think, um, I think space in this one is an internal space, but I think if you have the possibility of creating that external space and curating that external space, 
do yourself a favor and and do that for this piece. So um, go find nature and what that means where you're at. My provocation. James? My provocation is uh, an extension on, on your provocation um, in that, I guess, in your search for this space where you'd like to be out in nature or whatever space it is that you um, you choose, make it personal to you and how do you relate to this space and I, I guess get bring out some joy in being there that that warm kind of feeling like uh right in the sternum like melting into the stomach but yeah make it personal hmm. like how do you relate to this space whether it is out in nature or wherever you find yourself um and just kind of i guess allow yourself to sink into that warm feeling that kind of love um because i guess that's that's where i started this piece from there's that kind of really rich honey warm mm. lovey mm. feeling so i'd love that's, to uh, love it if you would be able to i guess experience that as well that's lovely that's fantastic this this is not a driving the car podcast this is not a <laughs> this is not a uh uh, uh, running errands uh, audio play. This is a yeah. I love that. To 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 actually, to actually experience this like the playwright experienced it. How do you put yourself into the, the playwright's mindset? Beautiful, beautiful. And um, we would love, obviously, we would love to hear. Um, once you have, once you have listened to Sugar Bag, and once you have done these provocations, we would love to hear your experience afterwards. That's the we, we, we love putting out these we love putting out these plays, but we never yes, have that we please. never have that feedback. We never have that feedback from the audience of, of what is landing because we don't get to see the audience like like in a normal play situation. We would love to hear uh, where you went, what you experienced, how your experience changed by doing that. So um, and if anything weird happened, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, and the only way that we would know if you have done this is you would go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Theater of others, all one word, theater with an R-E. You can leave a 90-second voice message there for us. We'll play it on air. We would, like, I'm serious. We want to we wanna hear your voice on this one. We want to hear how it was to, to put yourself outside of maybe what is a comfort zone to experience what this is. Um, if you do not want to leave a 90-second voice message, but you still want to communicate with us, we have many ways. There is email, podcast at Theater of Others. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and our website. We're on the gram, y'all. Um, and uh, communicate with us in any way that you can. We want to hear from you. Uh, but as, as these plays are coming out, as these interviews are coming out, and as we are moving out of the Audio New Play Festival... Where are we going to take you next? There's only, there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. 
I'm stealing all of Booty's thunder and all of Booty's catchphrases now at the end of the podcast. Uh, The next thing he would say is, of course, if you like us, uh, do like our Uber driver and give us five star. You give us five star, we give you five star. 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 star. We really appreciate. um, It does actually help us. I mean, not that we're trying to chase the algorithm, but it really does help to introduce us to new people. um, These 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 rankings and a comment as well. it, it really does put us out in front of new people. And this is all we're trying to do is we are trying to reach new audiences. We have, we have so many friends and colleagues and former students and people that we've worked with. But we know that, the, that people are out there finding us daily. We're, we're really happy with the, with the growth that is happening. Jack is really happy with the growth that is happening. But how, how else can we, can we find somebody else? Can you share this? Can you share this episode uh, with a friend and share sugar bag when it comes out on Thursday. Um, we'd really, we really appreciate it. It's always great to, to see the different cities pop up, uh, in these places. Yeah. Um, James, anything you want to leave, uh, with our listeners, anything that, uh, that they should, they should know, they should think about where can they find you? What's up next for you? What's going on? Um, nothing much that I haven't said in my provocation. Um, okay. Although, yeah, I guess um, if anyone's in Melbourne for Fringe, I'll be in a show at the Fringe Festival um, called Cocoon. Um, So look that up and then (laughs) come watch me uh, perform in real life uh, on stage. Um, But that's really it. That's my... Beautiful. Or my endless... um, plugging so so humble in your self-promotion i love it that's fantastic <laughs> i will i will link that in the show notes so cocoon melbourne fringe which what are the dates what, what are the dates on that I, i'll have it i'll oh. have it in the show notes but it's Don't coming up soon uh, october 23rd i believe okay um okay. that's just off the top of my head i'm not quite sure um, uh, like i said I'll, I'll, but, I'll, I'll i'll link it in the show notes there'll, there'll mm. be the the link and the tickets and everything else there so Later on, in wonderful. October. Yeah, wonderful, James. And it's a thank ooh, you. Yeah, no, it's a very similar vibe to this. Very wholesome and lovey and honey-like. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, James. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your submission. Thank you for your artistry. Um, it was really, it was really like I said. Once I read it, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was the first one that I read. No, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Fraser's was the first one I read. Like, like I said, he had he had written really quickly, <laughs> so like he like we we put out the call and within 24 hours we had his play. So it was interesting. But like when I read this piece, I really did go, "Yep, I'm shepherding this one across." I'm, I'm if anybody has an argument with me, I don't care. This is this is the one that I really want to hear. So thank you for uh, thank you for taking up booties. Um, I don't want to say a gentle ask because there's <laughs> call to action. Like, call to action. There we go. Thank, thank you for taking up Booty's call to action uh, and doing this and sharing this with us and, and being with us today. Um, it's it's a it's a real pleasure to finally meet you and uh, and and talk with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, likewise, and thank you for creating such an awesome platform again. Yeah. So, folks, Thursday Sugar Bag comes out. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you don't miss it. Get it as soon as it comes out. It'll be out. Um, I mean, we typically try to put it out around midnight East Coast time so that we are waking up on the other side of the planet getting it. 
so subscribe, 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 and uh, as in the immortal words of Bodhi, bye! Thanks for joining us this week on the Theatre Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey.